We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. to talk this morning about the fight against our independence. The fight against our independence. And as you're letting that soak in, I, I just want to say this again. I know I began the service by saying this, but today I stand here honoured to be a part of this great nation. I really do. I know that God has called me to this nation and I know that all jokes aside, that we often joke about the fact of the independence from the British and, and that now I'm the pastor and I'm British and, and all these kind of things. But, you know, all jokes aside, this now is what I class and this is what I call home. And I'll tell my parents that this is home. England's not home to me anywhere. That's the place I was born. But this is home. This is where God has placed me. And I couldn't be more happy. Why? Because I believe America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I said, I believe that America is still the greatest nation on the face of this earth. But what's happened also is, because of its greatness, it has kind of sat back on its laurels. And it said, we're great. But you know what has made America great? God has made America great. And what we see around us today is God is being removed. And when God is removed, greatness is going to cease. Come on, greatness is going to cease. This is a great nation, but we are a great nation that is severely under a great attack right now. We cannot afford to celebrate our independence too long. Why? Because we're now engaged in another war. And this time the battle cannot be won with guns and it cannot be won with bombs. We're in a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual attack that is against this nation. But it also includes us, our families, and it includes our homes. For those of you who know me, I'm not one of these gloom, doom and despair preachers. I'm not going to stand up here today and paint such an incredibly awful picture that everyone leaves here so depressed and so miserable and so sad. I know people who preach like that. I know many people who are preaching like that. And really, they're not furthering the kingdom. They're discouraging people so much. Because I believe in God's word, no matter how bad things may be getting, well, no matter how bad things may be rumoured to be, because a lot of the time it's more rumoured than actual. Every beach on the Gulf Coast is not covered in oil. But the press and the media tell us that it is. You can't vacation there anymore. We just got back from the beach. It was beautiful. Didn't see any. The only oil we saw was the suntan oil that we put on to get a tan. It was beautiful. But you see, we've got to be careful that rumour and speculation sometimes can cause a panic and an absolute frenzy. 
And that's why instead of looking at man's way or man's opinion, I believe that no matter the circumstances or situations, there's still hope that we can find in God's Word. There is nothing that you and I still face today in our finances, in our home, in our health, whatever it may be, that the answer is still not found in the Word of God. Every answer that we need, the answer we need as a nation is found in the Word of God. So I believe, not in gloom, doom and despair, I believe that we as children of God can live with hope. We can live with a future. We can live with a passion. There's always going to be a reason in my heart and in my life to shout and praise God. Come on now, do I hear an amen? Have I got another witness in the house? You see, we allowed the news media. Some of you need to turn off the news. And listen, I'm not vindicating the fact of not being aware of what's happening around you, but sometimes we can get so aware that it absolutely consumes us. When's the last time you turned on the news and saw something pretty good happening? Five people murdered in Baton Rouge last night. Houses burned down. People run over. This taking place. I mean, there's not good stuff. And the sad thing is, the good things that are happening are not reported. Because people don't want to hear about that. It doesn't sell. Good news doesn't sell. It's all the bad news. But I believe that God's Word is there forever to give us hope that forever we have a reason to shout and praise Him. Despite it all, the circumstances and situations, we can still throw our hands in the air. We can still lift our heads up high. Why? Because we're looking and trusting in our Deliverer. I've got to say this, it's not in my notes. You want to know how great God is? Mountain appear. Boom. Sun, go over there in the corner of the sky. Boom. Well, a few trees and a little lake and some grass and some fish would look good there. Boom. You want to know how great my God is? He just spoke and the world was created and made. And you know what? His word spoken still today is holding the oceans at bay from sweeping over land. Why? Because he said you can go this far and no farther. Come on, that's the God that I serve. I've got reason to praise Him today. Come on, He's greater than the economic state of this nation. Come on, He's greater than the disasters and the risk of terrorism that we find all around us. You see, I believe the darker the night, the brighter the light can shine. The dark of the night just sets up the moment for we as children of God to have our day. I believe this is our day. I believe this is the day of the Lord. I believe His coming is soon. And the Bible tells me that His coming is not coming before a revival sweeps this nation from east coast to west coast, north to south. That means no matter how dark the night, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus is going to shine out. We are living in a day where our lives can make a difference. Come on, we're living in a day that we can stand up and be seen. And we're not making a difference because we're weird. A lot of weird Christians. I look at some of these people and say, Oh my God, I thank God I'm obviously not saved like them. It's a lot of weird people. God didn't call us to be weird. He called us to be real. 
He called us to be relevant and he called us with a great commission to go out and win the lost. Not one thing in there said anything to do with compromise. So don't look at me strange. Nothing. We're not to compromise. Different methods, but it's the same message. The same message. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to deal with the thought of the fight against our independence. Or perhaps better said, the war against Christianity. The battle that we're facing, how it involves us, how it involves our families, our faith and what we stand for. And the amazing thing is, we've got to realise this today, the war when we say against Christianity is not just against the church. Well really it is against the church, but not just at a building that we think, because the Bible says that we are the church of God. So we've got to realise that this struggle or this fight against Christianity and what we stand for, the Ten Commandments and just everything this nation was built upon, you've got to realise that this war is aimed directly at you. We cannot escape it. It's against who we are. It's against our testimony. It's against our families. It's against our homes. It's against our future and against our hope. Today our faith is under attack. Our faith is under attack, which is the very foundation of our Christian experience. If there's no faith, there's no Christian experience. It's the very foundation. And why? I began to think about that. Why is our faith, why is Christianity, why is the gospel of Christ under such attack? And this is what I concluded. And that is this. Because what we believe is what we will become. What we believe is what we become. I want you to look at that and I want that to go deep into your spirit because if it attacks what we believe, it's affecting what we're going to become. And today as we look with all the attack and all the fight, people are not becoming more faithful, they're becoming less faithful. And as a result of their faith being attacked, they are becoming or less becoming than they have ever been before. What we believe determines how we live and how we conduct our lives. So if that's destroyed and taken, then there's little hope and there's little future. I was just reading this week, actually Thursday, the first few chapters of the book of Judges. And I read how the children of Israel didn't fully follow God's command. It's a really sad story when you look at the promise that God gave them for an incredible land. A land flowing with milk and honey, their promised land. An absolutely incredible picture of what God has for every one of us. But God said to them, you've got to go and possess it. But what happened is when they went in there, they drove out the enemies that were before them. But when they had a foothold into that promised land, they began to rest back. And instead of taking care of all the business, they left some business undone. They looked and they said, well, those people aren't really that bad. And, you know, we're kind of tired and this land's really pretty. We don't care much for that place anyway, so just let them stay there. The Bible says that they let the enemies of God begin to live amongst them. You know what happens when your enemies begin to live amongst you? They become your friends. You become a friend to those. They become an acquaintance of yours. All of a sudden, you begin to mingle and you become a part. What used to be a clear boundary is no longer a clear boundary any longer as you both infiltrate each other. And things happen. And as I was reading here, it was amazing. At first, everything was okay. At first, things were going fine. But their enemies began to grow stronger and stronger. 
A lot of people have looked and have said, well, they weren't really their enemies, they were their friends. You know, we've got to watch because a lot of things that we have labelled today as friends are still our enemies. They're still our enemies. Why do I know this? Because the reality is this, friends don't kill friends. Friends don't fight against friends. Friends don't judge friends. Well, if they do, they do it in a loving way. What I'm trying to say is what we've allowed to live amongst us that we've tried to become a friend with. You know the Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's pretty strong words. But what we've allowed these things, and what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say is there's definitely an attack that's coming from the outside, but there's definitely an attack that we've allowed to take place from the inside. That we don't stand today completely innocent. We've become friends. We've allowed these little things that are harmless at first, but they grow. The Bible says that about sin. Did you know that? That sin grows. It says it's first conceived, but then when it grows... It brings forth death. I think we preached a few Wednesday nights ago, puppies are cute, but they grow. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. They can be this small and all of a sudden they're looking at you. Eye to eye. They grow. They grow. They grow. The greatest harm, though, that the children of Israel faced was this. Not that the fact that they allowed them to remain, but the greatest harm was that they did not destroy their gods and their religions. Joshua, before he dies, asks the children of Israel a very direct question. And he says these words in Joshua 24:15. Joshua says to them, Choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. He made a declaration to every one of them. He said, It's either God or it's either the gods of this land. Which one are you going to serve? Now listen to the reply. Their reply was very direct to a direct answer. And this is what they said in verse 16 of Joshua 24. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us all the way, etc., etc., etc. Here are a group of people who are recognizing and realizing and knowing firsthand the God that they should serve. The Bible says that they had seen his deliverance. They, had, they were the ones that ate the manna and the quail. They were the ones that drank from the rock. And it's absolutely incredible. I just think how incredible God is. And people can say, oh, he couldn't do that. Yes, he can. Do you realize that 2 Corinthians 4, I believe it is, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 says this, and the rock that followed them. Now, that may not mean much to you, but they were in a barren place and had no water. And God spoke to Moses and said, speak to the rock. And Moses was disobedient and he struck the rock. But even still, water came out. In the middle of a wilderness, there was water. And the Bible tells us that their water supply never ran out. And 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 said, the rock followed them. Man, I thought we walked. Are we walking in circles? Because that rock still looks like it's in the same place. And I don't know exactly what happened, whether a big mountain followed them, but I do know this, that their supply never ran dry. I'm saying all this for you to understand, these were a people that knew God. These were a people that served God. These were a people that saw firsthand the mighty deliverance of God. They were without excuse. 
They weren't riding on someone else's experience. They had an experience, an encounter for themselves. But it wasn't long before they forgot God and His ways. Sounds a lot like our nation, doesn't it? The reason we are a nation today is because people came so they could worship God. Come on. They came so they could have freedom of religion, to worship God, not being under a structured, organisational, religious manner, but they wanted to come and have freedom in their worship and in their expression to God. People who had an encounter with God. It had to be to cause them to leave everything they knew, to come to a place that they did not know. But they followed God. Just like the children of Israel, it wasn't long before we began to forget God. It's amazing the short-term memories we have when it comes to God. It's amazing how quickly we forget what God has done for us. So quickly we forget the Red Seas that He's opened up in our lives, the provision that He's done, the healings that He's done, that He saved us, that He changed us. It's amazing how short-term memories we have when it comes to God, but the things not of God, oh, we can hold on to those and we can remember those. It's amazing. No one doubts the ability or no one doubts the fact that there is a Satan. But many people doubt the fact that there's a God. It takes as much faith to believe in a Satan as it does a God, but people don't question there's a devil. People question there's a God. Listen to this prayer, if you would. This is a prayer that was read out a couple of years ago as the Kansas Senate was about, the new session was about to take place. And some of you may have heard this before. But everyone was expecting the usual generalities, but they heard something that day that they'd never heard before. A minister named Joe Wright stood up and he gave this prayer to open up the Senate. He said, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good. But that's exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We have exploited the poor and we call it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and we call it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionist and call it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and call it building self-esteem. We have abused power and we now call it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possession and now call it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and now we call it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and we call it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. You and I may never have the opportunity to stand before a Senate and pray. But we do have the opportunities every day to stand up right where God has placed us. We have the opportunities every day to stand up in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in the mall, in our neighbourhoods. And we must never cease to seize the moments that we have available to us. I believe it's time to step up our devotion. I believe it's time to step up our commitment. I believe it's time to step up our prayer life. 
I believe it's time to step up our Bible reading and knowledge of God's Word. I believe it's time to step up our example. I believe it's time to step up our morals. I believe it's time to step up our lifestyle. In a time where everyone is compromising, I believe it's a time that we stand. I believe it's time that we not only stand, I believe it's time we raise the bar, the level of excellence. Come on, today we need to be reading God's Word more than we've ever read it before. We need to be in His house more than we've ever been in His house before. We need to be around godly people. We need to have the Word of God inside of us. Why? It's not time to slack back and get pulled down. There's a war. There's a fight. And it's for our existence. It's for our future. It's for our children. I'm telling you this right now. I'm concerned for our children. You may say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Uh, God's really, I've been really crying out to God over the last month or so because this is just such a burden. Our children need to have an encounter with God. They need to have a good, can I say it this way? A good old-fashioned encounter with God. You know, the reason I am like I am today is yes, because of the example of my parents and their prayers, and yes, because they brought me to church, but it's more than that. It's because days I was on my face at the altar before God, and God changed my heart. I know what it is to weep before God. I know what it is to cry before God as a teenage young boy. I know what it is to have the calling of God on my life. And it's that calling, it's those encounters, it's those times that have seen me through the darkest night. We've got to have an encounter. Our children have got to have an encounter. I hate those words of that song because they're too true. But that we sing of a passion that we don't know. The words of the song says, I don't want to sing of a passion. But how many of us today are singing of a passion that we've only heard of or seen in someone else's life? It's a battle. It's a fight. Don't shut me off today. Listen to what I'm saying. We've got to have a fresh encounter with God. We've got to meet God again. We've got to meet God again. We've got to have a face-to-face encounter with the Almighty God. It's not time to dwell in the crowd. We need leaders who will recognize the battle that we're in and say, as for me and my house, As for everything that God's given me, come on, God's still going to be number one, number uno. He's going to be the one and only. He's going to be the one true God. In dealing with a subject subject like this, talking about the battle against Christianity, I understand that in our faith, I understand there's a lot of places that we could go. There's a lot of ways that we could cover it. I'm kind of a simple guy. Is that okay? So can we cover it simply today? We could look at Bible prophecy, we could look at scriptures, we could look at end times, which is all fantastic and all great. But you know one thing I've realised? I can have the greatest knowledge of end times and biblical prophecy, but if I don't understand where I fit in, I have a problem. We've got so much head knowledge today that we've got very little heart realisation, understanding the place that we have. And as I began to think about the battle and the war and the struggle, my heart went straight to you. I'm telling you right now, biblically, every prophecy has been fulfilled for God's return. If you're saying, when's God coming back? Everything biblically has been fulfilled. We're just living in grace right now. God's grace has been poured out for what? That as many people will get saved as possible because it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. 
We look around us today and we can see, and we're going to actually read one of the passages or allude to it in a few moments, but we see the signs of the end times. I'm telling you right now, we're living in those times. We are living in those times. But yet, how do we live? That's the thrust. That's where I'm at today. This is my passion as a pastor. Where do we live during these times? If you don't know, and I thought about this, if you don't know that we're living in the end times, then I'm sorry. (laughs) You need a reality check. Come on. I mean, is there anyone here? Please be honest with me. Is there anyone here that would be honest and say, Pastor Philip, I don't think these are the end times. Come on. How many would admit that you believe this is the end times? Come on. When we talk about the end times, we're not talking about hours. We're talking about probably years. There could be seconds. But it's drawing to a close. If you were to read in Matthew chapter 24, that's what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about the end times. In verse 3 through 14, he talks to these. In fact, if you read the whole chapter, and even around that chapter, you see Jesus talking about the end times and what was going to happen. Jesus spelled it out this way. He said there's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be hatred, there's going to be betrayal, there's going to be lawlessness. My God, it's around us. It's there. It's right there. But in the midst of all these things that Jesus is literally itemizing what's going to take place to spell out the last days, he says these words. Why are these words so important? Because in the midst of all the end times, there's us. God places us right in the middle. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24 and verse 13. He says these words, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Amidst all these things, it goes in and begins to spell out and outline, but in the middle of all these things, the speculations, the rumours, the perilous, the famines, the unrest, the lawlessness, Jesus throws right in the middle, I believe, our position of where we need to be. And God says, you need to endure. That means not give up. That means, listen to me, to endure does not only mean not give up. To endure means not to give any ground to Satan. Come on, because that word endure means this. Are you ready? He who holds one's ground in conflict. We're in a fight. We've got to endure and hold our ground. We've got to endure means he who stands firm. To endure is he who perseveres under pressure. To endure means he who is courageous. It means in the middle of all of what we see, don't panic, don't freak out. Endure. 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 There's a need for endurance. Come on. Three men endured one day before a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Everyone else was bound. We forget that. Everyone else was doing something completely different to them. It wasn't just a few people. Everyone else in the whole kingdom, when the trumpets and the music played, fell down and bowed. These are three guys amongst everyone else. We forget that. We just think of them in a group or in a room with maybe 20 people and now three out of 20. I mean, that's not too bad odds. But perhaps three out of a million. That's pretty scary odds if you're the three. They endured. They endured. What happened, Roxanne, when they endured? A fourth person stood up with them. 
Come on, and this fourth person was not any ordinary person. To quote King Nebuchadnezzar, wow, I, I don't know about you, but that looks like that could be Son of God. That looks like that could be God. There was something about this fourth person that Nebuchadnezzar recognized and realized. What happens? You see, God shows up when people endure. God shows up when people say, we're going to make a stand. We're not going to go that route. We're not going to do this. We're not going to look to the lottery to pay our bills. We're not going to go this route or that route. We're not going to compromise. If you're a car salesman, I'm not going to lie to sell a car. I'm going to stand up for integrity. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to endure. And can I tell you this? The fourth man will show up every time someone chooses to endure and stand on the Word of God. Not only did a fourth man show up, this is some shouting stuff getting ready right here, so get your vocal cords ready. Listen to me. Not only did the fourth man show up, but the fire that meant to destroy them was the fire that ended up promoting them. The only thing it destroyed was the bonds and the liver, those things that held them back. It was just the ropes that burnt up. That The Bible says they were walking in the midst of the fire. There's only those who are enduring can do that. The fire that meant to destroy them ended up promoting them. Because of their endurance, a decree was passed and now people had to worship the one true God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. While everyone else was bowing, three remained standing. And it certainly wasn't the popular thing to do. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3. I'm going to give you five steps today, if I may. Five steps. Ezekiel 3, verse 22 through 27. This is where we're going to take all our passages from. I like the way we preach in this church. And I'm not saying that because I'm the preacher, because I'm not the only preacher and the minister that ministers behind this pulpit, but I like the fact that we take what we say directly from the Word of God. A lot of people read a scripture at the beginning or maybe throw one in at the end and they'll give you 20 points and not one scripture to back it up. We're going to take it directly from God's Word and we're going to see what God's Word says. Ezekiel 3, verse 22 and verse 27 through there and we're going to break it up, so just keep your finger in there or follow along on the... Um, the the screen. Verse 22, Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise and go into the plain, and there I shall talk to you. Look at me quickly. Here he's talking about Ezekiel. Here's a young man who was given a task, an incredible, awesome task, to address the moral decline and the ungodly state of a remnant of Judah that were exiled in Babylon. God had called a young man and given him a message. And listen to this. God told him this. No matter the message you preach, they're not going to receive it. Pretty incredible if you would read it. He says, no matter how hard you preach it, they're not going to listen. But God says, no matter their stubbornness, God says, I'm going to put your face. God says, I'm going to make your face like flint. That's what God's Word says. That I'm going to give you such a boldness and such a way about you that no matter their response, it's not going to change who you are. Are you catching this? You've got to catch this. Because what I'm saying is we're preaching in a world that many people are not going to listen to what we say. Arnold mentioned a thief on the cross, but how many knows there was two thieves and one thief still, knowing he was about to die, still cursed God. There's going to be people that are not all going to accept Christ. They're going to curse God. But you know what? Our position is to deliver the message, not worry about the response. 
The response is not ours, the message. But I'll tell you this, we better worry about the response if we're not preaching the message, because no message, there's no response. And sometimes we get so dejected when people kind of ridicule us and make fun of us. I've learned this. If people are making fun of you, they have to first hear what you're saying to react to it. And the Bible says, His word spoken shall not return void. So they may make fun of you today, but they're hearing a message that they are responding to. So don't get discouraged. But here's a young man that God said to him, they're not going to listen to you, but I'm going to make you so hardened. I've given your word and I'm going to give you the ability. God, make our face like Lynn. That we won't bow down, but we'll just keep delivering that message. It's incredible too. Did you know that the word or the name Ezekiel literally means to God strengthened? God strengthened. When he was born and his mother gave him the name, that was a name that God gave because God knew that he was going to have to be God strengthened for what he was called to do. So God sends him as a deliverer or he's referred to many times, Ezekiel, as the watchman. So in this passage that we just read, in verse 22, we see these words. God says, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk to you. Here's step number one that we need to have in our lives, and that is this. We need to get alone with God. We need to get alone with God. Coming to church on a Sunday morning is not really getting alone with God. You can have a time where you can focus and you can get so tunnel vision and you can just focus in on God and it's a great time. But listen, there is no substitute to daily getting alone with God. Where have those times gone? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Where are those times gone that I used to have with God? I have the answer. You want to know where the the answer is to where those times have gone? Here they go. TV, sports, work, Facebook, cell phones, texting. Come on, it's not that those times are not available to us any longer. It's just that we have consumed those times with everything else. What we're saying is we're making everything else of a greater priority in our lives. We must unclutter our lives. I'm telling you right now, you've got to hear me. It's time that we unclutter our lives. We need to begin to realise there are things that we can live without. The other day I was updating my iPhone and I put it on just before I went to bed and the next morning when I left to go to work, it still wasn't finished. So I left it at home. It was one of the best days I've ever had. But you know what? I was ashamed how many times throughout my day I went to grab my phone because of something, because I thought it's become such a security that we look to that more than other things, that we grab for that. It's amazing, isn't it? How many people today come into church if they would have left their Bible, would turn around and have gone home? But I wonder those same people if they had left their cell phone, how many would have turned around and gone home? Well, I may need my cell phone. Well, What about God's Word? Well, Pastor, the Word of God says, Thy Word have I hid in my heart. (laughs) Some of you have got so little Word hidden in your heart, you couldn't even find it if you tried. You and I can live without certain things. Or at least we need to learn to manage our time 
a whole lot better. At a time when we need a greater walk with God. At a time when we need a greater walk with God. How many of us are finding ourselves living on fumes? Thank God for past experiences. But past experiences are gone. There is a reason why God, and this is not on my notes, and help me God because I want to get through this. There's a reason why God said every day go out and get mad. He was trying to show the children of Israel that he's an everyday fresh God. They don't have to live off yesterday, that he's the God of today also. He was trying to show us, that's right, new every day is the mercies of God. His mercies are new every morning. There's something that God's trying to show us through everything throughout the world. It wasn't that God was just trying to be petty or trying to be silly. He's trying to show us principles that in the natural will apply to us spiritually. Thank God for the past. But you and I, as I said earlier, we need a fresh encounter with God. We need a fresh visitation from God. When is the last time you got alone with God? Come on, I mean, when is the last time that you really got alone with God? With no TV, with no phone, with no kids, with no distractions. Just you and Him spending some quality time. It's vital that we do this. Why? Because in any relationship, if we don't spend time in any relationship, a relationship is going to be destroyed. Come on, if we don't invest quality times with our husbands or with our wives, if we don't invest the time that is needed, our relationships will suffer and eventually not make it and someone else is going to begin to fill that void. If we're not going to spend time with God, the void is going to be filled with things that will never fill it. Why? Because in man there's a God-shaped void that only he can fill. That's why people are lost today because they're sticking so much trash into a void that they will never fill because it's only God. It's a God-shaped void that only He can fill. But look what happens when we get alone with God. Verse 23, it says, So I arose and I went out into the plain and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there. And the last part says, And I fell on my face. Here's what Ezekiel is saying just in case you've missed it there. He says, when I got to where God had sent me, when I got to the place where God had told me to go, when I made the choice to get alone with God, Ezekiel says, God was already there waiting for me. What an incredible thought. It gives me chills when I think about that. What does that tell you? It tells me that his desire to be with you is a lot greater than your desire to be with him. That means that He's waiting for you. I wonder how many times we've stood up, God. Anyone remember that movie? Is it, was, it, was it of Ernest Hemingway? Was it a time of war or something, that movie, when, when he was supposed to meet that nurse or something and something had happened and circumstances had changed and they were both trying to meet each other but they couldn't make it and as a result, he was a bitter, angry man and rejected love completely. Because of that one moment, and it was a misunderstanding and a mis. But I wonder how many times the result of our lives is not where it should be because we've missed that place with God. That time that can change our lives. God's desire to be with us is so greater than ours to be with Him. God's going to meet you at that place if you'll just make time. The Bible says three times God called Samuel, but the Bible also says this, there was a time that God called and came. 
Read it for yourself. Three times God called. But when Samuel was ready to hear God's voice, and Eli said to him, it's God. And when he said, when you hear it again, say, speak, your servant hears. The Bible says, and God called as before and stood. doesn't say he stood before. It just says he called. But I'm telling you right now that when we are in that place, when we are obedient to God and we get to that place, I'm telling you, God's not only going to call, He's going to be. He's going to be right there. And anyone that I read of in the Word of God that comes in the presence of God leaves changed. When we see all these things taking place around us, run to God. Get alone with God. Get alone with God. Let's read on, verse 24. Then the Spirit entered me, uh, entered me and set me back on my feet. What happens? Here's step number two. As we get alone with God, here's the next thing that happens. God's Spirit is going to come upon you. God's Spirit is coming upon you. Again, I haven't got time, but every time you read of God's Spirit, I was just reading this morning about Gideon. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went out with 300 men and defeated an army that the Bible says were as numerous as almost the sand on the seashore. Too many to count. But the Spirit of God came upon them. You know, we get so spiritual, and I want us to come back to the natural. When we say the Spirit of God comes upon us, what we're really saying is this. God wants to equip you for the task. That's what we're saying. That God's equipping, that when we get alone with God, there's a strengthening and there's an equipping that takes place, that God's Spirit comes upon you. What really happens is God's ability is becoming part of you. But notice what happens when God strengthens him, when God equips him, God puts him back on his feet. God loves a praying, crying saint, but he can use us a lot more on our feet. Look at this, knees. When we're on our knees, or the Bible says our face in his fact, knees speak of being in a position of submission, a place of surrender, a place of humility. Is that not true? But what does feet speak of? Feet, or being on your feet, speaks of purpose or doing something. So therefore, we've got to realise this. We can't have feet time. We can't have a life of purpose and doing if we don't first have some knee time. We want the purpose in our lives and we want to do, but I'm telling you, we've got to first get alone with God. Because it's not only the knee time that will help us in the feet time, it's the knee time that will sustain us through the feet time. That's what's going to bring us through. A lot of people want the feet time, but they don't have the knee time. Oh, you can have the feet time, but your life will have no purpose and no direction and you'll be just crazy. When we get alone with God, His Spirit comes upon us to equip us, to strengthen us, to direct us. You can find, as you get alone with God, your purpose and direction. Ever not known what to say to someone who has all the questions at work? Have you got anyone at work that has all those questions that's always coming against you? Hit your knees and let God give you the answers. Come on, get alone with God and ask God, cry out to God for Him to show you the answers that you need. Watch as His ability, His Spirit will come upon you and equip you. That's what the Bible says. And you'll begin to say things to these people and answer their questions and you'll be amazed and say, where did that come from? Let's look what happens next, quickly. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth that, so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them for they are a rebellious house. Here's what I love about God. God calls Ezekiel to be his mouthpiece, to stand up 
and to give out his word and then God takes away his ability to speak. I wonder where we would be today in our spiritual walk if God took away our ability to speak. I want us to think about that. Where would you be today if God took away your ability to stand up and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. Where would you be today if you couldn't say that but you just had to live out by your actions? You see, here's our problem. We have become masters of reproof. We've become masters of judging and condemning people. We've got that down to a fine art, haven't we? Come on. In doing so, our mouths oftentimes have made the gospel all about what you can't do. A list of rules of do's and don'ts. We've used our mouths and the gospel that we're preaching to bring condemnation upon people. Instead of the true message of the gospel, which is liberation. What we can do. You see, we talk and focus so much on what you can't do instead of telling people what is available to them through God's word. And there's a whole lot more available to them than what there isn't. And when you begin to realise, all of a sudden you won't want those things anyway. So it's not a case of not doing those things. You lose the desire to want to be a part of those things. So here's step number three. God's verse tells him to get alone. God equips him and strengthens him. And then the second thing that God tells him that is telling each one of us, it's more about your walk than it is about your talk. It's more about your walk than what it is your talk. Let your words follow your example, not the other way around. Matthew 5 verse 16 says that people may see your good works and glorify. It doesn't say anything about hearing. That they may see. Listen to this statement. The loudest words we will ever speak are the words of our actions. I like that. God gave me that. I can get that from a book. God gave me that. The loudest words that we will ever speak are the words of our actions, the way we live. Because that's our character. That's what we are. Moving on quickly, verse 27. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord your God. Here's step number four. You ready? When it's time to talk, speak his language. Speak his words. Because when you speak his words, when you're led by God, you're going to speak words of life. We worry if people around us are getting the message. Is it breaking through? I'm telling you, his word will. God's message will always fall on open ears. They may not be immediately received, but it's a seed that's planted and a seed will begin to grow when subjected to the right environment. Be that environment. Colossians 4 verse 6, Let your speech always be grace, be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. New Living Translation says, Let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answers for everyone. Our message is nothing. But when God speaks through you, it's a different story. Step number five. Be available. Be willing to be used. And if you take these steps, you'll be available for His use. Listen to me today. There's a war that's raging. There's a fight against our independence. But it's time not for us to come and run and hide. In fact, we can't run hide any longer because it involves us. The war is against us. We can run and hide, but it's not going to change what's taking place. It's time that we stand up and take the step one after another and make a difference. Time that we get alone with God.
It's time that we allow His Spirit to come upon us, to empower us and to equip us. The time when we realise that it's not all about our talk, but it has to be more about our walk. But, oh yes, God will give us opportunities to talk, but when we talk, we better make sure that we're speaking as thus saith the Lord. And to round it all up, we better make sure that whenever the opportunity comes, we're available to be used. You can't be available if you haven't got alone with God. Your talk will never be greater than your... Your walk will never be greater than your talk if you haven't got... You'll never be enlightened and empowered if you haven't got alone with God. You can't start at two and three and four and jump. You've got to start at one and make it through. But I'm telling you, there's a war, there's a struggle against our independence, but we've got hope in God. We have hope in Him. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseeds Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.